so grateful uh, to be here today to communicate uh, the burden that I feel like God has placed on my heart for us. And so um, I want to dive straight into this, but I want to calibrate uh, before I start to illustrate and to read. So uh, this message today uh, is going to be a reminder for some. It is going to be a relaxer for others. And uh, if there's another third, if I break you all up into thirds, uh, then it's going to be a revelation. But whether it is a reminder, a relaxer, or a revelation, I hope uh, that it settles your heart and that it opens your heart uh, to what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ and to navigate the world as a son and daughter of God. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the book of Philippians, chapter number one. Philippians has literally been, for this year, uh, a magnet for my soul. I keep coming back to this book over and over again, and it just keeps surprising me. Uh, Philippians chapter number one, I'm starting at the first verse. I'm going to read a lot of scripture in my points. Uh, this is a three-point message. I'm, in, I'm on my Golden State swag today, so... I'm hitting three-pointers, all of my basket, all of my references are basketball, so just deal with it. Uh, Philippians chapter number one, verses one through six, here's what it says. Uh, this letter is from Paul and Timothy, not me, slaves of Christ Jesus. I am writing to all of God's people, God's holy people in Philippi, who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Verse number six is what I'm focusing on, so I'm going to read it again. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. If you're taking notes on this message, very simple message, I am a work in progress. I am a work in progress. I put it in first person on purpose because uh, it would be egregiously presumptive of me to say you are a work in progress, which would imply I'm fixed. And that could not be further from the truth. I am a work in progress. We are works in progress. Bow your heads. Let's pray over the word and get started, shall we? Holy Spirit, work on us. Amen. That should be a prayer for everybody when they get up in the morning. Just wake up in the morning, stretch, and be like, Holy Spirit, please work on me. So, uh... As I said, Philippians has been a magnet to my soul. I keep coming back to this short, encouraging book that is written by 
the Apostle Paul, while he's in prison to a persecuted church, and you have never heard a dude in the penitentiary be more upbeat than you will hear as you are reading through Philippians. You will never find recipients of a letter from Paul while being persecuted in their community receive with so much gladness the words that are written by Paul. And after making his greeting and salutation uh, to all the people in the community at the church at Philippi, he goes right in to encourage them and let them know that he is certain that the God that began a good work in them will continue that work until it is all finished when Christ Jesus returns. And it got me thinking of how brilliantly simplistic this statement is and what a reminder for all of us this scripture is. That God is the one that began the work in us. God is the one that continues the work in us. And that work will not be finished until Christ Jesus returns. So I have three points to this message, and they are regular, regular points. Be forewarned. I'm a very simple man. I'm a very basic dude. So all my points have to make sense. They have to be simple, at least to me. So point number one, please write this down. First, no duh. God began the work. <laughs> Some of us need to be reminded today that it is God that began this work in us. Ephesians chapter number one, verses three through eight says this. All praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Hello. God began this work. Can we be honest for just a moment and simply admit uh, that we weren't casually hanging out one Saturday afternoon pontificating how great things are going in our life and just said, you know what? I've been reviewing all the religions of the world. Christianity seems to like resonate with me deeply. The whole one man dying for all really resonates with me. But you know what? They're kind of in a slump. Those Christians need some help. I'm going to go volunteer. You know, I've been acting wild, living my life any kind of way that I want, but you know what? I'm going to just go ahead and uh, 
throw my name in the hat and see if I can't help those Christians out. Um, no. If you're like me, you were minding your own business as a great sinner. <laughs> Born in sin, shaping in iniquity, doing whatever you thought was going to bring you pleasure, trying to fill a void that you could never fill without the God that created you, but you desperately tried anyway. And one day he initiated a relationship with you that you never saw coming and never would have done yourself. And it's because of his initiation that you participate as a believer in Jesus Christ. It's not because you're so great. It didn't even start with you. Starts with him. He began the good work. And I want to change the narrative on what it means to be a work in progress. Because most of us, when we say it, we usually have deflated voices and our shoulders are slumped and our head is down and we're like, we're just a I'm just a work in progress, you know. Just trying to figure it out, man. Just pray for me. I don't have it all together. How about you lift your head up, not just eye level, but go up further and see it from God's perspective. That while you were minding your own business, he was like, ooh, you. Oh, my God. Oh, my me. You. I would love to have a relationship with you. And so I'm going to start bothering you. I'm going to start messing with you. Out of all the people in here, I'm just going to focus on that's what it's like for God to initiate a relationship with you. He begins to work. Zechariah chapter number four, verse number 10 says this. Do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. This has always been a verse that has encouraged me because I love to see stuff begin. I get excited when I see stuff start, when I see the start of something, I get excited because I know God gets excited. And when you come into a relationship with God, God is not looking at all of the stuff you bring into the relationship. Oh, my me. There's a lot I got to deal with here, a lot of trauma, a lot of baggage, a lot of addictions, a lot of family hurt, a lot of rebellion, a lot of uh, 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 bad thinking. Oh, man, I got my work cut out for me. No, you begin a relationship with him. He's like, oh, yay. Because I got the rest of time and then eternity to hang out with you. He said that. I love to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Now, a plumb line dates all the way back to Egypt over 4,000 years ago. And it's basically a string that has a weight on the end of it. And that's how they were able to measure uh, structures exactly. Now, I want, you to let, I want to let you know what your plumb line is as long as you're going to be on this earth. There should be a string in your heart that ends with the weight of this book. And this is your plumb line that measures you to see that if you stand up to it, is it exact? This is not about, oh, I think I'm just going to do what I want. And if the Bible kind of agrees with it, cool. If not, cool. Nope. 
The Bible's right and you're going to be wrong. The Bible is right and I'm going to be wrong. If it comes down to what I want, what my will is in my way, it's going to be what the Bible says. This is the plumb line. This is the anchor that should be dropped in your soul. This is why I got me a heavy Bible. I know a lot of you all are creatures of convenience and you got yourself a little slimline Bible, but I needed four and a half pounds with study notes. I do not have time to be going to three and four different books and then Logos. Give it to me now. Point number two, please write this down. God continues the work. Not only does he start it, he's the one that continues it. Philippians chapter number two, verse number 13 says this, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So let's get this straight. God is the one that starts to work in us. He's the one that initiates the relationship with us. We open up our hearts and say, uh, yeah. And then he goes, great, I'm going to continue this work in you. And two of the three words that he continues to work, two of the three ways that he continues to work in us is by giving us his desires and his power to do what pleases him. Just by a show of hands, because I love an honest church. Anybody beside me need God's desire and power to do what pleases him? If I could lift the other foot, I would levitate. Y'all would get scared. It would be a mess. Yeah. Can I be honest with y'all? I didn't come into a relationship with God with the desire to please him. I didn't come into a relationship with God with the power to please him. I need both his desire and his power to do what pleases him. Because if he left it up to me, Y'all are sucking me dry right now. <laughs> Just by sitting there, observingly, attentively watching me. You're draining me, man. Don't no introverts want to be out here in front of people talking. His desire is in me. And his power is in me. His desire in, is in me. His power is in me to do what pleases him. There are some people that I would love to run up on and talk to them in a way that is not pleasing to God. I promise you, that desire is strong. You know what desire is greater? The desire he gives me to please him. And then the power he gives me to please him. I've been walking with Jesus now for 27 and a half years. I gave my life to Christ January 14th of 1996. 27 and a half years ago. And I'm telling you, after all that time, I'm still a work in progress. 
There is no measure of time that you get to that you're like, made it. Let me start a small group to help these other people get on my level. If you're in this room right now and you have a six pack, yay you. But getting the six pack is one thing. Maintaining it is another. There's nobody that's ever gone to the gym to get their body in shape. And the moment they see it in the mirror that's just in shape, they're like, done. <laughs> no, you needed squats to get there. Then you need squats to stay there. And I, need, I have a personal trainer because I don't have the desire or the power to do the three extra reps. That's the, oh, it's, a, it's a racket. I should be able to do this. I wish I had the willpower because then I wouldn't give her my money. <laughs> but I don't. And so five foot one little Natalie, who is just, rah, <laughs> she's a little terror. She's like, five more. Then we're doing supersets. And I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> she doesn't hear it, but I whisper it. In between the exhales, I hate you. I hate you. And guess what? I do five more. Why? Because there's somebody that is spurring me on and giving me something that is not in me naturally. I need God's desire and his power to do what pleases him. That's how he continues to work. He starts to work and then he says, I know you're not going to be able to do this without me. So here's my desires. I know they're going to I know they're going to fight with yours. The quicker you die, the quicker we can move on. The quicker you crucify your flesh, the quicker we can roll out. Now, if you keep throwing the tantrum, your prayers are not going to be prayers. They're going to be complaints. But the moment you die, you can get off this cross and I can actually we can we can go on to something else. Just trying to tell you what it is. He gives us a desire. Then he gives us the power. The victory that I walk in, this is not me being a good person. This is not me with morals. This is God in me convicting me of sin. And saying, don't do that. Don't say that. Apologize for that. Don't do that. Don't say that. Apologize for that. Don't do that. Don't say that. Apologize for that. It's been 27 and a half years. Don't do that. Don't say that. <laughs> Apologize for that. Don't do that. Don't say that. Apologize for that. Two of the three ways that he continues his work is through him giving us his desires and his power. Let me give you the third way he does it. Hebrews chapter number 12, verses 5 through 13. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Now, let me stop right there because I know somebody's like, no, not my loving father. He's a good, good father. So you are. It's who you are, it's who you are, and I love 
It's who I am. It's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways, including the belt. You are perfect in all of your ways, including the punishment. You are perfect in all of your ways, including the consequences. read the Bible. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? I've heard of some. I grew up in the hood. I heard of a lot of kids that wasn't disciplined by their daddy. And you know what it led to? A jail record. Prison sentence. Babies out of wedlock. Drug addiction. Alcohol abuse, violence, murder, low self-esteem, self-deprecation. This is what happens when there's no discipline in the relationship that we have with God. If God doesn't discipline you as he, as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and you are not really his children at all. Ooh, this is strong. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. Thank you so much for being honest, writer of Hebrews, who I can't wait to meet when I get to heaven. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Now, let me just finish reading and then, oh, I have so much in my head. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become Strong. This is so good. So I told you that two to three ways that he continues his work in us is through giving us his desire and his power. And we love talking about that. The Lord's going to give me the desires of my heart because my heart is in alignment with his desires. The Holy Spirit empowers us. Woo! Pentecost Sunday last week. Woo! Power of God. Let's go. Discipline. No. The devil is lying. No, he loves me too much. He would never spank me. No, if you've never been spanked by your dad, you're not his child. I have two boys, 14 and 12. They will be 13 and 15 this year. And uh, we're at the agent stage now that we're reminiscing about some of their spankings. There's been enough time removed that they're now like, I remember when you gave me that one beating. <laughs> hey, Dad, I remember that one time you whooped me. I got so mad, I went back to my room and said, I'm moving out. And I planned it all. This is my older son who's very, very cerebral. I planned it all out. I was leaving. And then I wound up talking myself out of it. Because I was like, I'm going to get probably like three and a half miles down the street. Then I'm going to get hungry. 
Then I don't know where I'm going to stay because I'm young. I'm unemployed. I ain't got no money. Mom's cooking is real, real good. And so I'm going to want to have to come back home. And so, you know, after about 90 minutes, I was like, I guess I'll stay. Like he was doing us a favor. They didn't appreciate the spanking in the moment. But upon further reflection, what they knew is, I caught these hands because my dad actually loves me. My younger son, Noah, who is a very sensitive soul, excruciatingly yummy and tenderhearted. When I got ready to go spank him, he would always say, can I have a hug first? It melted my heart, too. But not so much that he didn't catch the smoke. I gave your boy his hug. Then I lit him up. And after I lit him up, I always leave for about 15 minutes. That way, however they feel in the moment about that experience, they can actually have it. I let them have their moment. Then I come back in, and we sit down, and we have a whole conversation about it. At the end of the conversation, my man Noah Samuel Livingston Ross looks me in the eye and says, thank you, Daddy. I needed that. When's the last time you were able to take God's correction and thank him because you know you needed it? Now, let me tell you when you wind up in the correction zone. When you ignore his desires and when you deny his power, most likely you're going to feel his hand. And it won't be the hand of guidance. It'll be the hand of correction. But without that hand, you're not his kid. 27 and a half years, I can't tell you how many times I've been spanked. I can't even count them. And there are these loving taps. He doesn't crush me, he doesn't break me, but he loves me so much that he's like, I can't let you get away with that. I can't let you run up into my presence to have devotion time and not address what you did last night, yesterday, last week. You've been trying to ignore me and put worship music over it. But there was like a seven second piece of silence before the next song came on and I'm like, remember what you said? And you're like, dang it. We need to talk about that. And it's humbling and it's not enjoyable. It is absolutely necessary that you get disciplined. If, he, if you're truly gonna have God continue his work in you, it cannot be minus the discipline that comes with it. It makes us who we are. Have you ever seen somebody that hasn't been spanked? I'm, I'm talking about a child. It is inconsolable. It is excruciating to watch a kid that's never been popped. And when I come, and I don't know how, I'm not trying to start a revolution on, you know, maybe if you do timeout, okay, I'm from the hood, this is my story, we going with it. So, when I go over to my friend's house and they have a different form of discipline and that kid is like, no mom, 
My ancestors wake up. <laughs> I, at a cellular level, the DNA of my ancestors wake up and go, no, nah, baby, you can't say that. When I go over my friend's house and they kids call them by their first name, where's the juice, Sharon? I'm like, if you don't get this, If you don't handle your business, Sharon, I will. It takes a village to raise a child. And today I am chief of the village. Discipline is God's form of affection when you don't follow his direction. That's how you know you're still his is that he doesn't let you get away with anything. I'm very, very scared of people that call themselves believers in Jesus and they can act any type of way and feel no shame about anything and have the nerve to say, I'm a child of God. And I'm like, your dad didn't tell you that you was mean? Like you got through 21 days of fasting and prayer and he didn't talk to you about your attitude? He didn't even sit you down to talk to you? He just kept talking to you about faith? That's a little bit scary. Which brings me to point number three. Progression until perfection. God starts it. He continues it. He's the one that ultimately finishes it. So what is our, what is our role? It's progression until Perfection. Philippians chapter number three, verse number 12 says this. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. It is a grandiose verse that Paul pins for our calibration. I'm not perfect yet, but I'm pressing on towards the one who is until such time that I'm in his presence again. I came very close to making point three, you'll be done when you're dead. I just figured it's probably a little too morbid. People don't want to think about it in those terms. So I came up with this one just so I could wait two and a half minutes to give you the one I really wanted to give you anyway. But that's the truth will actually be done when we're dead. I hope this helps every perfectionist in the room. I hope this frees and delivers every perfectionist in the room. When will you be done? When you're dead. What are we doing in the interim? Progressing. Every day, we're doing better. We're not making excuses for any of our behavior. We're just... Acknowledging that as long as I'm here, I'm progressing. When I am in traffic and I get cut off, I'm reminded I'm still progressing. When I think I'm having a nice chat with Juliet and she says something that lands on me wrong and I want to clap back, I realize I am still progressing. When I want to send my sons off to a military school and bring them back when they're 30 years old, it lets me know I am still progressing. Progressing. 
When I see stuff in the body of Christ that makes me upset and I want to speak out on it one way and the Lord says, do it another way, that lets me know I'm still progressing. I'm a work in progress. And so are you. But let's be reminded that we didn't start this. We ain't gonna even forget, we ain't gonna even finish it. We're just giving our lives and opening up our hearts to the one who can. And if you can keep that at the front of your mind, you'll throw away your scorecard. You'll toss your winning streak. And you'll realize that every single day, I have an opportunity to be worked on by the God that chose to come into a relationship with me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? Again, my prayer, my hope, is that it is a reminder, a relaxer, or a revelation. He loves you more than you could ever possibly imagine. He's not sitting up there with a scorecard trying to figure out how many days has my child been good without having an incident, an accident, a mistake. Quite the opposite. He came into a relationship with all of us, one that he initiated. He said, I'm going to give you all of my desires and all of my power to do what pleases me. And on the days that you deny yourself access to that or you don't open yourself up to the power of that, my hand knows how to bring you back into alignment. Sometimes that's in the form of a chiropractic adjustment. Sometimes that's in the form of some discipline that stings. But I guarantee you the last 27 and a half years of my life hasn't been because I'm on a hot streak. It's because I've taken his desires, I've taken his power, and I've taken his Discipline. And he's still working on me. For the rest of our lives, my hope and my prayer is that we willingly let him work on us. So Holy Spirit, take this message.
and this moment. Let it be seed that is watered for you to get the increase. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. Bye.